Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Focus Seedcast. I'm your host Corey, aka Focus, and today I'm once again talking with Chris of Esoteric Agriculture. We have a conversation about some of our failures this season, as well as some of our successes, breeding projects that we're working on, and Chris also has a really good recipe for rodent and deer repellent that will be really helpful for all you gardeners out there. But before we get into this episode, I'd like to do a little bit of plugs and housekeeping. I recently got some shirts made for the seed company, so if you'd like to support the show, you can check out my website, focusseeds.com, and grab yourself a really cool t-shirt. T-shirts were designed by my wife, and they were printed by Singularity Farm over in Lebanon, Connecticut. I also have a deal going for autoflower seeds. The variety is Sherman Tactics. It's a F3 generation. It was originally bred by Jared Hayes, who will be on the next episode of the podcast. So if you'd like a pack of those seeds, you can contact me at focusseeds at protonmail.com. That's P-H-O-C-A-S. And I've also had several posts taken down on Instagram as well as TikTok. So if you'd like to join my email list, you can send me an email at focusseeds at protonmail.com. All right, let's get into the episode. Yeah, so yeah. seed sales went, went okay. It's only my second year, so um, sure. I wasn't really expecting, you know, like a ton of ton of sales or anything. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it definitely was encouraging. So I think I'm on the right track. Um, okay. Good. And yeah, and it, and it was really awesome to have your stuff too, um, because I can only grow so much, you know, with isolation distances and population yep. sizes and all that. So it was great to have somebody else who's has actually like, you have some pretty good, some pretty good stuff. So cool. it was nice to, to hear that. Yeah. Nice to have it. And, and, um, well, I got to grow out some of what you sent me. I'm going to grow some more out next year. Um, but that golden eggplant gold finger was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's a fun variety. Yeah. So like, especially when it was smaller, um, when I, when I was starting to plants in the greenhouse, they had like super yellow, you know, mm-hmm. leaves, but the stem was real purple and that was just, yes. it looks, it looks so cool. Um, yep. My only thing for a production variety, I would not recommend mm-hmm. it because it's a little, no. a little slow to fruit. But other than that, like I really, I thought it was just really cool looking. So if you want like yeah. an ornamental eggplant and an edible yes. eggplant, that's a great, that's a great variety. That's exactly right. It isn't the best from a productivity standpoint, the loss of chlorophyll associated with the, you know, gold leaves definitely makes the plants weaker, but I mean, they still produce. Um, So yeah, if your primary goal is just an ornamental plant that also produces eggplants, you're good. You know, it's not a variety you should grow if you're a farmer trying to grow eggplants to sell eggplants, you know, like that's not what it's there for. But, yeah, plus yeah. yeah, plus it being so wet this year, I had a lot of my eggplant like drop leaves and you know just have wet feet, and they they did not like that whatsoever. No. So no, no, that's definitely not the big thing. Yeah, how did you um, how did you do with eggplant in your area this season? I actually didn't plant any. Um, <clears throat> surprisingly, uh, this whole year it's just a little odd, but. Um, I try to do a really complicated rotation of all the crops through here. Um, I try not to put the same thing in the same spot in a perfect world. It would be three to five years. 
Um, occasionally I'll do things back to back. Like sometimes I'll do corn two years in a row. Um, but then I'll still go three to five years before I put it back in that spot again. Um, unfortunately I don't have enough bed space. So some years, some things I just skip and don't plant. So this was an off year and I didn't do eggplant. Um, I didn't also didn't do any like, dry field corn. Um, so no flint corn, no flower corn, no eggplant this year. Um, yeah, it's just a little different every year, depending on what I can, what the rotation has me doing each year. So, yeah, yeah. I, I must confess that I do not do rotations <laughs> nah. much at all. <laughs> so I try a yeah. little bit, but it's just, yeah. I don't have a lot of space. So it's, it's really tough. And then not to plant something it's, yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard to make it it's work. tough. It's really hard. I know a lot of people don't do it. Um, yeah, I've, I've always tried really hard to make it work and yeah, I'm at a point now where it's just tough for me to make it all work. And so some years, some things just don't get done. So, um, eh, next year will be an on year for eggplants. So I'll do eggplants again next year. Nice. So, yeah, another variety that I grew was the bok choy, which that was, if you want a production variety, that one definitely is. Um, that, that is good. Yeah. 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 Nice. I got some nice big, like, monsters out of, yep. out of it. So that was, that was a really cool yeah. variety. Before I started growing that one, I didn't even know that you could get heads that big on a bok choy. I really had no idea. Um, we grow bok choy transplants at my work and I've grown those kind of varieties, which it turns out are more like mini or baby bok choy. And that's what I thought they all were, but the prize choy, it will make like basically cabbage head sized heads. I mean, it's not the same weight, you know, as a head of cabbage, but they're huge. Um, and you get a lot of, you know, edible stuff off of those things and they grow fast. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they were, they're pretty tasty too. So some, yeah, you know, yep. sometimes if stuff like bok choys and stuff get big, they get a little stringy and stuff, but that, that stayed real nice and tender. So yeah. Yeah. It's, really it's a real nice variety. Um, super nice one. Did you see any of the pictures I put on Instagram of the, the hybrid I did with the prize choy and the Scarlet Ono turnips? Um, it basically has purple petioles, purple stems. Oh yeah, that's the one that kind of looks yeah. like the vivage. Or yeah, the, um, yeah, yeah, vivid choy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've grown. Uh, yeah, I think we were talking about that a little bit. Because I've yeah, grown out uh, yeah. vivid choy and I've saved seed from it. And yep, you know Frank Morton is, you know, he's got a lot of awesome stuff. So yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I think, Frank. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I, th I thought, wasn't one of those varieties that you crossed the, the, um, the turnip, whatever, wasn't that one of his varieties? It was. Yeah. Frank Morton is definitely one of the people who were inspirations to me um, with seed saving plant breeding sort of things. Definitely for sure. Um, he's done so many great varieties and his approaches to how he accomplished a lot of it are pretty low tech and pretty simple. So just to demonstrate that you can achieve great things without a lot of financial input or 
education in that field, et cetera. Yeah. I know so. he's well known for his uh, accidental lettuce crosses that he kind of plants out and yep. kind of see how they go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lettuce is one of those really fun things where I need to work with that a little bit more. I found an accidental lettuce cross last year when I planted lettuce, I saved the seeds for it last year. I didn't plant it this year, but I'll plant it next year. And I'm really excited to see what I can get out of that. Uh, lettuce is so fun that way because they're mostly self-pollinating, not entirely. Hence why you get the crosses, but you know, it's not too hard to stabilize varieties. So, but that would be like a really fun project that I could run with for years, which is, I think basically how Frank Morton got started, that sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I, my lettuce crop did not do well. I planted it in kind of a wet spot and just had a bunch of lodging. So everything like just fell, fell oh, over. No. And uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of left it. So I'll mm-hmm. see if I can get it to, to yeah. be, be harvestable, but there was a lot of rot and stuff. Mm. So it was, a, it was a tough wet year this year. Oh yeah. It sounds like you may have had more rain than what we had. We had a pretty long dry stretch in the middle of the summer where we probably didn't get rain for about six weeks um i mean it's been wet the last four weeks maybe you know but prior to that we had some pretty long dry spells yeah we didn't get i don't think we had a dry spell i think july it, mm-hmm. it rained like like one day a week at least um, I don't know how many inches we're up to. I, hmm. I think I think it's it's getting somewhere crazy, like 20, 25 or twenty seven or something like that. I forget what it is. Oh man! Um, but like we had some pretty good, uh, pretty good flooding in some areas, not up towards me, but down more towards like Fairfield County and stuff like that. So. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, that's then, not great. No, and then my my yard is kind of. Like I'm kind of up on a hill, but then my growing is like areas down, like in this bowl and then like a stream from the top of the mountain runs down right there. And so my backfield was kind of like sitting in standing water for a few days at a time, uh, happened a couple of times. So, you know. Oh, that's not, that's not helpful. Yeah. No. That's, that's when the eggplant dropped their leaves and the lettuce fell sure. over and, <laughs> but the, the squash yeah. and the, and the cucumbers, love that so and be, my beans loved it so be i'll be okay on that end peas did not i lost my pea crop this year so yeah i struggle pretty hard with peas i really haven't been able to do a good seed crop of peas and then like we're getting close to 10 years now um everything around here seems to like to eat peas um and it's not even just like the deer or the cat or the uh, rabbits it's like some sort of slugs or caterpillars or something like they've become really difficult for me to grow, which is a shame. Um, I did grow out quite a bit of your uh, rattlesnake pole beans this year. Nice. And, you know, I've, I've grown them in the past and it'd probably been about 15 years since I'd grown some. It's a good, it's a good bean variety for sure. So yeah, pretty, I like, yeah. That one's a little bit different than um, the standard variety because I've been kind of selecting it a little bit. Um, okay. So, so I feel like it's a little bit more productive than the regular uh, rattlesnake bean. And also the beans are, the shape is a little bit different and um, they're a little bit like, 
uh, the coloration is a little bit different too. So. Oh yeah. I think but, you could easily select your own strain out easily. I'm sure you have. Yeah. I think so. it's just over, it's just over time. Cause I've been saving that one for like seven years now. And I've, I've pictures okay. from, from the first seed that I, I, that was uh purchased okay. all yeah. the way to like this year or well, it was okay. last year. Cause I didn't have them, but, um, and yeah, you could see over time, like how yeah. the size and shape of the bean changed, how the coloration changed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty cool. That's super interesting. That's cool, man. Excellent. Um, did you, are you having real success with anything this year as far as, you know, grow outs? Let's see, I think, um, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still like hitting like peak season because I, I yep. planted everything real late. Um, so I'm hoping to have more preppers this year. Um, I don't cool. know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I got a lot of like rabbit pressure where I am. And like yep. other other critters, small critters. So been dealing with that. But like for peppers, I have um, I'm doing shishitos, uh, okay. bell peppers. Um, what else am I doing? Like a mini a mini bell pepper. And then for hot peppers, I'm doing a Thai chili that I've been saving for years, and that's doing awesome this year. Okay. Um, I also have a jalapeno that I've been saving too for a while. Just a standard jalapeno, nothing nothing too special. And then um, yep. No, uh, one other hot pepper that I'm pretty excited about, which is a Nepalese hot pepper. It's like oh. a um, sm- small okay. round pepper. Um, and a guy that I worked with who's from Nepal gave me the seeds and it's like the variety they grow in his village back home. Oh, that's and, super exciting. Yeah. 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 And the cool thing about this pepper is they, they use it to make like a, um, like a fermented kind of like chili paste kind of sure. thing. Okay. Yep. And, um, yep. It's it's a it's one of the type of peppers where the heat isn't is super hot, but it doesn't linger. So okay, you was cool. like real. He gave me some of the the chili paste that he makes, and it's like it's it's super spicy and it's got a very distinct flavor. But it, mm-hmm. it it's not like a, like a habanero where it's like twenty minutes later you're still feeling it and it's just like unbearable. So oh. <laughs> I have to get some of that. That sounds like a nice pepper to grow. Yeah. And they're, hmm. they're, they're really tall plants. They're, they're my tallest pepper plant. They're probably hitting almost four feet tall. Um, okay. And hmm. they're staying real, real straight, real upright, real wide, large leaves. Um, but okay. the pepper is only like, I don't know, like maybe like an inch in diameter or something like that. And like perfectly. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I definitely like to see that one. That sounds really intriguing. The shishitos you mentioned, the seed of those has been exceptionally hard to come by lately. Yes, that's why I've been trying to grow it. Yeah, because that is um, that had got super popular like a few years ago, especially with like the CSA farmers market kind of crowd. And oh, I've yeah. grown it as like a market gardener for years. Restaurants love yep. it too. So I found an open pollinated variety, and I was like, well, I want to definitely save this for seed. Um, yep. they keep getting hammered by something keeps eating them. I have everything covered with, um, insect netting. Cause I have everything planted pretty close. So okay. I want to keep it true to type and something keeps getting under like in underneath there and just like oh. tearing through and then coming back out. So, um, huh. that's too bad. 
Yeah, I, I think I should be fine. There's so, such a prolific plant that I have. Like, a, I still uh-huh. have a ton of peppers, but I'm waiting for everything to turn red before I start pulling those. So I'm going to go take yeah. a look at them tomorrow and probably clean them up a bit. Um, I know um, at my day job, we keep trying to schedule shishito peppers and we haven't gotten seed. We didn't get any seed this year and we're not going to get any seed for next year. We've already been told. So we know we could sell the transplants easily, but we can never get seed. So, you know, well, if I get seed, I'll yeah. definitely let you know. Cause if I get yeah, like, if I get some, it's going to be a lot. So I'm cool. hoping, I'm hoping that works out. Um, but I, yeah, and I was going to ask you, you, I think mm-hmm. mentioned you had a, um, a recipe for deer mm-hmm. and rodent repellent. Sure. I do. Um, so, I mean, all those concoctions basically are based on rotten eggs, okay? And everything else is just for good measure. Um, the way I've been doing it the last couple of years is I take a gallon jug, wide mouth gallon jug is better if you can get a hold of one. Um, so what I do is I take as many eggs as I think is reasonable. So it might be six, it might be 12, whatever, you know, you break the eggs, you dump them in there. I take maybe like a pint of milk and pour it in there. Um, if I got some hot peppers or something, I'll chop some up and throw them in there. If not, I'll just dump some hot sauce in. Um, I usually make this stuff in the spring. Um, and I take the garlic scapes off of, um, the garlic plants, you know, when you harvest the scapes for eating or whatever. And I ram some of those in there too. Um, and then I add water to fill up the jug and then just put the cap on really tight and let it sit somewhere for a while. Um, at least a few weeks, a couple months is fine. A year is good. <laughs> um, it gets super disgusting. And I have a colander that I just use for this stuff and don't use it for anything else. The colander lives outside ready to use it. I put the colander over a bucket and then dump this jug over the bucket and then you know all the garlic scape crap and peppers or whatever get filtered out and then you take that stuff and mix it with water and then that's your uh, repellent basically. Uh, nice. It works better if you if you can add some kind of a sticker to it. Um, you know something to like get it to stick a little tighter. I like this product called New Film. Um, makes the stuff stick a lot better but that's basically it you know um and you can people talk about you can like tweak that any different way the number one most important ingredient is rotten eggs and then number two would be rotten milk and or garlic you know somewhere in there but a lot of products will also have um capsaicin or mint yeah Um, mint seems to work on some things too um so, I mean, that would work as well. Yeah, I've um, seen them with like mint oil and clove oil and stuff yep. and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's a product we use at work, and that I know on the ingredients is based on rotten eggs and rotten milk, but it has like a tremendous amount of mint oil in it because instead of smelling like rotten eggs, it smells like mint, um, which is definitely nice because <laughs> the stuff that the stuff I make does not smell nice, it smells terrible. Um, but it seems to work pretty good. 
you know, I mean, it does wear off after a while. I would say if you have normal rainfall, any of that stuff will carry you at least two weeks and maybe a month. You know, if you have a lot of rainfall, it's going to last less. But part of it too is learning how to time it out. You know, all of your crops are going to have like the, the deer pressure for me, it isn't consistent throughout the season. Like there's points where they're really bad and there's points when they're not bad at all. You know, for sweet corn, when they want to get them is um, right when the tassels start to emerge or the right when the silks start to emerge or right when the sweet corn is ready. So earlier than that, they don't care. You know, um, like eating my apple trees, they go after the apples right when the leaves and shoots are first emerging. Um, and then when they put their first big flush of growth on after they're done blooming. And then the rest of the season, they don't mess with them. So there's a lot of stuff like that, that you, know, you don't really have to keep applying the spray endlessly throughout the season. You have to know when the really bad point is going to get, go out and put it down. Uh, sunflowers is one the deer really like. You need to put it on like in the first like month of planting them, you know, you need to put it on maybe twice. And then after that, they don't bother them anymore. So everything has like its little like windows when like the deer, the rabbits or whatever, like, like to eat them. Yep. And once you figure it out, you know, you don't, you don't actually have to spray this stuff that much. You just need to get it on ahead of the window. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that with my, uh, with my beans, like a week or two after they germinate, all the rabbits will come through and just like top them all. And if they don't come yep. through, then it'll be like four to six weeks after that, when they first kind of start to tendril up, they'll come yep. through and they'll like, just chew, chew the bottom of everything. But as soon as the plants start, the leaves start getting like bigger and tougher they they don't, they don't mess with them anymore. They don't really care. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think almost everything has these like narrow windows when they're the most appealing to whatever the animal that eats them are. And if you can get the repellent on right ahead of that, usually you only have to do it a few times and it's not too terrible. Um, you, you grow any real interesting new varieties this year? Hmm. Trying to, trying to think if there was like anything, I actually played it pretty safe this year, so I didn't do anything yeah. too crazy. Um, a lot of stuff that I've been wanting to kind of like grow for a seed and I just didn't, didn't have the, the time. I, I, I was just, I just kind of, skipped I, I went with kind of what i thought would do well for for sales so um i do want to switch out with eggplant i grow i tried to grow in black beauty for like the past two years and i just am not yeah not super happy with it so i think i'm going to switch to um there's an italian variety that's you know like the, the pink and white i think it's like yeah. R- rosa rosa blanca is that yeah I think that's, Rosa Bianca or Rosa Blanca or something. Yeah. Like Rosa that. Blanca. Yeah. So I think yeah. I grew, I grew that in some gardens um, at work this year and I actually really liked it. It did, it did very well um, compared to like the other, the other eggplants. So that's a good open pollinated variety. So I think I'm going to try that next year, but yeah, I didn't do anything. Didn't do anything fun really this year. So I have to think hmm. of what I, what I want to do for, um, for next year well, yeah i'm trying to think of what what sort of 
odd stuff I did this year. I'm always working on like a bunch of different projects. Um, I'm trying to stabilize a line that, so some years back I crossed long pie pumpkin with candy stick dessert delicata, which are both Kirkabita Peepos. They're both winter squashes. Um, and I've been growing out that for years, probably on like three to five years now to try to get it to turn into something that's better than the parents. Um, last year, 2020, I ended up with a couple vines that made fruit that looked like the mini jack-o'-lanterns, but actually taste really good. Um, even most of like the supposedly good tasting, like mini orange pumpkins, I've never been terribly impressed with the flavor of those. And these were super good that I grew last year. So I saved those seeds and planted them out this year. And it looks like maybe half or better are making like orange mini jack-o'-lanterns. So then I have to just go through this year and which ones are actually good tasting. And then just keep trying to refine that down tighter and tighter. Cause I would love to have a, a mini decorative jack-o'-lantern type pumpkin that actually tastes good. You know, it would have like thick flesh and the flesh would be fine grained. It would actually be good. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. All right. Well, one thing I actually am growing this year is uh honey nut butternuts. Um, oh, those are real good. Those yeah. Are real good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, what I, what I've been doing is growing like yep. more larger uh, style winter squash, which is, which is fine. Yeah. But then the yep. problem is, is I have like, 30 huge squash that I, and it's only really me and my wife. So like we go to cook this one squash and it's enough for like eight people. <laughs> and then yeah. it, they don't, yeah. they all don't get eaten. So I was like, Oh, I'll do a smaller variety. Um, that way, you know, one squash is a meal or two. And then, you know, I can, I can actually get through them and, and, you know, people like, like they like this. It seems to be people like the smaller varieties and especially stuff oh, like totally. butter, butternuts or, like always yep. a hit. So yeah, that's, that's cool that you're doing that with the, uh, with like a mini jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, that, I really hope that works out because sometimes these things seem very promising and then don't work out. But if that one can work out, that would be a just tremendous variety. But I think that would have a, you know, a very bright future. Yeah. So, so I'm still working with my colored sweet corn project and that seems to be going well. Um, I would say like a third of the years I ate this year were really excellent. A third of them were decent, not terrible, you know, respectable. And then another third were like, wow, these are just like starchy and terrible. <laughs> so, it, you know, we're definitely making progress. Um, and I'd say like two thirds of the years I opened up were some version of color like they weren't white or yellow so this year i'm only going to save seeds from well last year even i only saved seeds from like the purple ones or red ones or you know whatever but still i ended up with some yellows and whites so just need to keep trying to refine that down but i'm still thinking i'm probably like three to five years away or less before i can get that where i need it to be um aiming for a sugary enhanced sweet corn that's some version of colored and at this point i don't even care if it's 
red, starburst, brown, you know. Whatever you get, you even, get. <laughs> whatever I get, I get. I just, you know, I'd rather it not be just plain yellow or white. And I want it to be homozygous sugary enhanced so that it's like a, you know, a modern corn. So not necessarily like the most modern, like sweet corns are like many generations removed from sugary enhanced, but um, yeah. Yeah. Keep so working how, with that. So how are you doing your, um, like, how are you selecting for the, flavor then are you just like going through when it's like to the milky stage and like cutting cutting the top off and just eating that and then letting the rest of the cob like mature and then saving those exactly yeah exactly well what i'm actually it's basically yes you're basically right this was actually a lot of fun this year i had a ton of fun doing this i go out every day or two and i check for years i thought that were at the right stage most of the plants for me make two or three ears so i'd take one ear i'd husk it out and i'd take a bite out of it and if it was good then i'd mark that plant with a flag piece of colored tape or something to save seed from it if it wasn't good then i'd feed it to my animals you know or tear the plant out or whatever um and that's basically how i did it some plants were good enough to eat but they weren't necessarily good enough to save seed from and those are like most of the ones that we ate this year so it was kind of interesting because um, people would ask me if they could come over and pick corn i'd be like yeah i can't really let you pick corn yourself because there's no way to know if the plant you pick is going to be excellent or terrible so i have to pick the corn for you so that i can <laughs> screen each plant for which ones are actually worth having it's a work in progress. So like I said, some of them were really great. Some of them were fantastic. And some of them were like, eh, okay. So, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. You have to actually literally taste test them to find out. So, yeah. Yeah. It's always fun to do that. It's like that corn and squash work where you get to go and yep. sit down and kind of score stuff and you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is tasty. It, it, yeah. It's fun. It's engaging too with with the family to be like here try this tell me what you think <laughs> oh yeah so like every year with all my squash seed saving you know it's the same deal like in the winter time like well here's this squash <laughs> we're gonna cut this one open and try it oh this one's really great you know save seed this one's terrible <laughs> you know i don't actually get too many terrible squashes anymore um i think last year i almost got no terrible ones but i remember even like two or three years ago half of them would be bad so i feel like i'm making real quick progress with squash winter squashes are getting the uh almost all of them are some version tasting good now so that's real promising um i'm trying to think of like what other stuff i'm working with this year Uh, i had a giant i had a bunch of stuff this year that were like honestly like kind of colossal failures that i had really high hopes for prior to the seasons and maybe that's worth talking about just because failures can be illustrative of what not to do yeah yes um so i got seed last year of the uh experimental farm network had these kaleidoscopic perennial kale grex yep um i planted those out like at least 60 if not maybe 100 individuals and they looked awesome up until last fall like 
looked absolutely fantastic. Plants were huge. Almost all of them were healthy. Awesome. Huge grow out, man. I planted these things like a gigantic row. Fantastic. Winter came. Wasn't sure how many were going to make it, but I think we lost maybe like five or eight over the winter. All the rest overwintered fine. So, and then they all flowered. Everything that was left flowered. And I wasn't sure if they were going to flower at all, but they all flowered. They all set seed. And then at some point, I started to get really, really worried that if I left all those seeds on there, I'd have a million seedlings everywhere. And I wouldn't be able to tell the seedlings from the original plants. And I wasn't really that interested in trying to save the seed because I wanted to screen them for more of uh, hardiness over multiple years, more insect resistance in the summertime. I just didn't want to, if they're really going to be perennials, I wanted to do seed saving after a couple of years, not just one year. Right. So I decided to take all the seeds off. So I went out, just went out with a machete and I cut all the plants back to about a foot. And then that just, you know, eliminated all the seed heads and seed pods. Um, after I hacked them all down to about a foot tall, three quarters of them died. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not sure if they died because they weren't like really perennial and they were normal biennial brassicas and they were just were dead or they got a disease or like the shock of cutting them back killed them. I don't know what happened, but like three quarters of them at least died. So that was super disappointing. And then the summer was really hot and pretty brutal. And I'd say I lost another quarter of what was out there. I think the last time I went out and checked, it looked like I had maybe between 10 and 15 decent looking plants. And that's super disappointing. But on the other hand, the positive twist to that is, well, those are definitely the best ones. Like those are the, the most robust hardiest toughest ones so then we get to carry them through another winter and see like okay well what goes through this winter you know yeah and yeah and so because i think if i can get some of these things to persist for like two or three years at that point i would save seeds because then i've put them through like a really brutal trial and the stuff that's going to persist through the crappy summers here and the crappy winters now, this is not the pacific northwest where that strain is bred those things are going to be pretty good. So even if it gets down to the point where I've got three or four plants left, those, you know, plants will be the best. So, but it's, it's still awfully disappointing because the row looks really empty now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially it, if you don't have the time to like replant yeah. something in there. Now you just have this like unused space. No, it's always like, I didn't, uh, I didn't replant it. It just looks sad and pathetic. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I did, I got the uh, potato onion seed from Experimental Farm Network, and I planted that out last year. That did awesome. Ton of beautiful onions. I didn't eat a single one because I literally saved every single one to replant. So I replanted them all. I did half last fall because I wasn't sure about overwintering and what would happen. And then I did half in the spring. But they all overwintered. <clears throat> Spring ones, fall ones seem to perform identically, but then they all flowered. Like every single plant flowered. So at some point I went through and cut all the flowers off, but it looks like most of the plants are dead. 
I am not sure whether some of them are going to come back. I have some hopes that they'll come back. But now I don't have any seed and I don't have any onions. So that's yeah. pretty terrible. You, you didn't dig any of the bulbs out to see if they made like bulblets at all or anything. I don't know how that variety is supposed to propagate. Yeah. Um, I think some of them, it looks like some of them are going to like make little bulblets and I won't lose all of them, but I'm definitely going to lose a bunch of them. I'm going to come back in here. I mean, as it gets cooler here and wetter in the fall, they're going to start to sprout. And then whatever is actually left, yeah, I probably will move it to a different spot um, and consolidate down. But that was another one that's sort of like, oh, man. Oh, well. But what eventually lasts long term will again be like, well, okay, these are the ones that are going to actually do what I need them to do. So it's pretty brutal. Some of this stuff is, you know, I'm going to have to screen down pretty hard to like make it work right. Yeah. So um, do you do any like garlic or shallots or anything like that? Um, I do garlic. Um, I do pretty well with garlic, actually. Um, honestly, I can't even remember the variety that I grow anymore. It's a hard neck. And I only grow hardneck ones. Um, yeah, garlic's no problem. Um, yeah, I like garlic a lot. Um, but I think I lost my garlic one time. We had a super, super wet year. I think it was 2018. Um, I had been growing German extra hardy for like 15 years. And in 2018, all of it died because it was too wet. Um, and then I got a new variety. And I'm not sure what it is, but it's not German extra hardy. But is it is it just a hard neck porcelain though? It's a porcelain type or a I, I think so. I think it's a porcelain type. I am pretty positive about that. Um so but yeah, garlic. I mean, I've never um tried to like offer, you know, the seed garlic or anything, you know, but yeah, we just we just eat the garlic. You know, yep. yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I, I really want to do sea garlic. I'm, I've been trying for the last couple of years. This year, um, all my bulbs were just like super small. I to- I totally didn't prep it as well as I usually do. Um, yep. And, and I just didn't, I didn't put down like enough manure and compost. And I, I ended up basically with the amount of uh, sea garlic I had last year, this year. So I didn't, I didn't, I got like nowhere. Okay, so, so all right. Yeah. I mean, you you probably know all this already, but um, so you you have to try to plant the biggest cloves that you possibly can. I mean, if you don't have yep. big cloves, you're kind of stuck, right? But yep. if you have big cloves, grade them out and plant the biggest ones you have. Um, yeah, site preparation is really essential. You want a ton of organic matter. You want a ton of um, fertility for garlic. Um, and then you need to come back in the spring when they start growing real good and make sure they're mulched really, really good because they can't have moisture extremes. And you also need to put some sort of additional fertility down, um, whatever you want to do, whatever works for you, but you know, some sort of like working the soil in the fall, you can mulch in the fall if it suits you better and then come back in the spring and like do some sort of fertility enhancement in the spring too. But yeah, 
Yeah, that's, um, that's what I did, but I I kind of planted it in the spot that was more <clears throat> compact. It's I've yeah. been and I've grown garlic in the past and it did okay, but um yeah. it's been a few years and I I really I should have took way more time, but I I was so busy with other stuff and now I'm like kicking myself for it. So so this year I'm really going to be a lot more careful with how I uh how I set it up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, garlic, I mean, garlic is pretty fun. I've messed around with a lot of different ways to try to figure out how to propagate it more, faster. Like, I've saved the bulbils off of the hardneck types and then planted those. And although that takes you, like, a long time, like, two or three years to get a big usable bulb, like, if you want to rapidly multiply out how much garlic you have, that's a great way to do it. Another thing I've done is I've taken, like, bits of the yard that I don't really care about and just stuck some extra garlic there and forgot about them. And then you come back in a couple of years later, if, if you don't dig the stuff up, it just keeps multiplying in the same spot and it's really crowded and the cloves don't get very big, but you get a ton of cloves in one spot. And then you can dig those cloves up and then like plant them out for a year and then it'll size up some if you space them better. And then the following year, you know, you can get like nice big ones. Um, that's just me trying to like figure out ways to like, how do I get like way more garlic without having to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> the pr- prices for sea garlic now are like nuts. Uh, I I, yeah. I forget what Fedco is selling, but it, they, I mean, they sold out. They sold out in like, they, they opened, I think, sales, I want to say, in, like, August. And within two weeks, they were sold out of all their garlic. And it was anywhere from, like, 20 to $30 a pound for seed yeah. garlic, depending on the variety. I was, like, crazy. Yeah, the, the garlic thing has gotten real out of control here lately. Um, I have grown shallots before. I've grown potato onions um i still grow egyptian onions or walking onions um i definitely like the alliums of all the different sorts um uh i grow a bunch of the um the green bunching onions yep Uh, those are really nice um always really impressed with those uh we'll circle back around to other failed projects um last year i was growing leeks for a seed crop and two of the leek plants didn't make seed they made bulbils where the seeds would be like a hard neck garlic and i was super excited about this so i saved every bulb i could find planted them all out sized them up into little plants planted all these plants out most of them took care of them super well all of these plants came through the winter. Plants grew on, plants flowered, looked awesome. Not a single stinking one has made a bulb, though. <laughs> like they, they just made regular seed heads. That's weird. Yeah, like I was like, okay, if they made bulbils and I save the bulbils and plant them out, that's genetically the exact same individual. It's clones. They should make bulbils, and not a single one did. And so that, that makes me think it wasn't a genetic thing, but it was some sort of a environmental situation that was happening. I don't know, but really, yeah. really super. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird too. Well, I know that 
elephant garlic is really a leek. It's the same it species. Yeah. So I don't yep. know if that, I don't know if, yeah, for whatever reason, there might be some, yeah, genetic thing where it'll, if under, you know, some stress, it'll do that. And I, and I don't know how they selected for that elephant garlic either. If that, if they selected um, for it, like they did, if you, for a, gar, you know, regular garlic. Um, I'm pretty sure how that's worked. So that was another trial I did last year. So last year I noticed um, when I was digging up the seed leaks that had produced seed and they were done, I'd harvested the seed. I was pulling the plants. Some of them had multiplied at the base and they had cloves at the base and they were big cloves. So I thought, oh, maybe I can try to make my own elephant garlic and maybe it'll take a while, but I'm going to try this. So I collected all these leek cloves and planted them out but they all died over the winter for some reason. Hmm. So, but I'm assuming that that's how you would arrive at elephant garlic, that you would just keep doing that over and over again and keep trying to select for ones that, you know, multiplied and made a big cluster of bulbs. But my attempt at it failed, but someone yeah. somewhere, yeah, clearly was successful with it in the past. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and that's another thing I've been trying to get into is like, um, like true garlic seed, which I've been failing at because of time mainly. Cause you have to like take all those, those bobblets off or the baubles, whatever off of the, the, oh, the, yeah, man. the, the seed head to get the flowers to actually yep. mature. Cause otherwise they'll just, <laughs> yep. they, they'll just abort. And yeah. So yep. it's um, so terrible, man. I tried it last year and I've tried it other years to try to get the true garlic seed and I've never been able to do it right, but I'm also sure that I'm not trying hard enough. Yeah. I think, I feel like it's equal to the amount you try is how well it work. And if you, if you try extra hard, then, then it will work. I don't know. Yeah. But um, one of these years, I'm either going to make it work myself or I'm going to buy some true garlic seed. Um, Cause I, I would love to be able to do that. Play around with that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there really aren't a lot of, um, there's not a lot of genetic diversity in garlic. I've been reading a, a lot about how the other varieties came about. And it, and it's, I think it's like 90% of the garlic is basically, it's basically the same thing um, with some small variations. But yeah, it's, it's weird that like, there's really not, there's not a diversity in garlic that, that there, that there could be. No, that's, I mean, people are working that way. And I think over the next years to decades, we'll get to a point where garlic is more diverse, you know, and that would be interesting to see what, what you could come up with. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think something cool would be like anthocyanin production in the bulb where you could get, like you get a purple potato. I'm pretty sure you could get like a purple garlic or at least with like the actual striping in the bulb and not just on, not just on the wrapper. So. Yeah, you probably could. I don't. I wouldn't think it's impossible because it's clearly possible for onions, and onions are oleums. Yep. So I wouldn't know why it would be impossible. Yeah, that would be a very interesting thing to breed for. But yeah, you'd for sure also have to get to a point where you were raising thousands of seedlings out to screen yep. for something like that. So, but I don't, I don't see why it's impossible. That's an awesome idea. Yeah. I, I don't know if it'll ever be achieved, but yeah. And that would probably literally take you like 10 or more years to do that. So yeah, I don't know. 
Someone's working on it, I bet. Somebody probably. I, I, ho- I hope somebody is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, that'd be that's that's a super cool idea, actually. But hmm. yeah, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about? I know it's getting late, so maybe we can wrap it up. No, I mean, I, I'm probably pretty content. It's not actually a super exciting year because, I mean, this year. I focused really heavily on potatoes, of course, which are doing great. It's been a good year for potatoes here. Um, winter squashes. Man, that's definitely been the big focus this year, just potatoes and winter squashes. And then a bunch of like ridiculous trials, which mostly failed, as I outlined earlier. So, um, and sweet corn. It was the, it was the odd year for sweet corn. So... So yeah, next year I would definitely want to do eggplants, more peppers, um, cannas, some other things that I'm messing around with. Um, work a little more aggressively on some of that stuff, but um, yeah. Otherwise, I'm fine. I'm, like I said, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Always positive. Yeah, so. I feel like we had a similar amount of failure, so. <laughs> <laughs> no that's yeah that's good though right? you learn. Um, you learn. i mean it, yeah, it sucks like it's so sad to fail with things but one you learn and it's failure is a great teacher but then it, even if you can come through some sort of a catastrophic failure with plants or animals if you have a few survivors you can use those survivors to build on and make something really great out of that so and in most cases I didn't lose everything. So that's positive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, actually, well, let's mention the potatoes since you didn't talk yeah. about that. We'll talk yeah. about that quick. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I actually saved those tubers from the potato seed that you gave me last year and those did yeah. excellent. And that's a pretty cool variety. Um, but, um, but what, what do you have going for, for potatoes? Um, so I planted out, uh, this year, uh, let me think about it a minute. I planted out one, two, three varieties that I was given in, I guess it would be 2019 by Oxbow farm that he had raised in 2018. I'm still working with those varieties. Um, they're doing super good. Really happy with that. And then I also have saved some varieties from my own seedlings. And I did my, my big seedling grow out was 2019. I think that's right. Yeah. 2019 is my big seedling grow out. Um, the one that I'm pretty happy with, well, actually there's several I'm pretty happy with. I've found a strain of diploid potatoes that are long keeping. So normally diploids don't keep very long. They sprout in storage really fast. And I found a variety that doesn't seem to want to sprout in storage hardly at all. So it basically keeps as long as the tetraploids. And that's incredibly useful. Um, And it also seems to be pretty productive. I like the looks of it, it's tasty. So I planted a ton of that this year and I didn't get any seed berries. 
Um, I also have a uh, strain of, uh, it's a derivative of Shetland Black. Um, it's several generations removed from the original Shetland Black, but it's pretty similar. It's like a bright white interior and like a purple black exterior, uh, medium sized potato. Last year, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep it or not, but I did. And this year I planted it out and it's done great. Like it's done so much better than it did last year. So, so yeah, I think I'm basically down to two varieties from all of my, I mean, I I know I planted at least a hundred plants, probably way more than that of seedling potatoes in 2019. And now I'm down to two that, you know, have made the cut, you know, for several years. Um, what I really wanted to do this year was to get seed, but it looks to me that whenever we have these really hot years, especially if it's hot and dry, the plants just don't set seed for me. Um, and that's definitely a problem. Like I'll get like a few of the berries here and there. Um, and it's usually on varieties that, I don't necessarily want them on like some varieties. I want them on more than others. So I don't know. Just going to keep trying to wait and see, but as far as the, the way the plants look, man, this is maybe the best year ever for um, potato harvest for me. So yeah, it's awesome. pretty excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about that. So tell me about your potatoes. Yeah. So it was a, what a TLSF pink was the yeah. seed you gave me. And yep. then I, I planted the plants from the seed last year. Yeah. I overwintered the tubers, the, the biggest and the best ones. And I planted those yep. out and uh, I got a little, little hit with some voles and stuff, but overall I got a pretty good, pretty good harvest. And those, um, I like the diversity. So I have like, some have like, um, you know, they will be kind of like your normal, um, I guess you call them like a white gold tan potato, and so yeah. it'll be like the pink where you cut it open and the skin's pink and there's like a little bit of pink inside and other ones will be like a little bit of purple inside. So it's been nice to okay. have that kind of diversity throughout the tubers. And I'm just, I'm just kind of keeping whatever the biggest, nicest tubers are. And then whatever stays uh, dormant longest, I think they broke dormancy pretty early. Yep. Yep. Um, which, you know, I'd like something that stays dormant longer, but it, it worked, it worked for me. So um, I'm just going to keep working with those in the meantime, I would like to get more, you know, true potato seed and start kind of doing like what you were doing where you plant out, you know, a bunch of different plants for maybe like six or 10 varieties or something like that. And yep. just kind of saving the tubers and let them, I kind of almost want to do like a land race thing where I just kind of keep the best of the best and whatever doesn't break dormancy. I'll just plant back out. And then eventually I'll get some type of population. Um, Yeah. I don't see any reason why that would not work. And that's, I guess like more or less where I want to go with mine is that whenever I get a year again, where I get a really good seed set on almost all the varieties, then I want to save a ton of seed and then do another massive grow out, plant out a whole bunch more plants and then just keep going forward with it you know, and figure out what's going to keep working for me. And I figure eventually I'll end up with something sort of potato land racy that is really well adapted to this area. Yeah. 
Yep. And then maybe, maybe, you know, I'll do a little selection for a flavor and just kind of taste some tubers, but I don't really want to go crazy trying to cross stuff and like on purpose and making real intentional things. I feel like that's something where you can kind of like let it do its own thing. And just, just from the selection of, you know, does, when does it break dormancy and how well does it grow? You'll kind of get something good in the end. Yeah. I've struggled to breed the solanum type plants. Like I would desperately wish that I could make intentional crosses of tomatoes and peppers. I still have not been able to succeed at that. One of these years I'm going to figure it out, but until then I just have to like let the bees do the work and just select things. So, yeah, yeah especially when you with tomatoes and, and uh, you know, and potatoes and stuff sitting there trying to take flowers apart and do it at the right time of day and, and make sure that the seed sets and then, you know, marking everything. It's, it's like, that's, that's in of itself. It's just a ton of work. It's so. terrible. I tried it last year, the year before, and I think it was the year before, man, I spent like basically two whole days doing crosses and marking everything and not a single one set fruit. Um, and that's just so demoralizing to like fail on that level. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Makes you not want to do it again for a long time. So I need to put a few <laughs> more years, you know, be- before the uh, pain of that is forgotten, and then I'll try to do it again. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna try and move towards uh, letting, like I said before, letting the bees and pollinators do the work. Working on cucumber crosses, and I had some nothing impressive that I grew out this year that I was really happy with. But I think I'm gonna take my three favorite varieties and just kind of plant them all in one row and like let them mix and then just collect seed and keep planting out and see what I get. And then just try and doing it that way. So that's super worthwhile. Cause like you really can be successful doing that because that's more or less how, like how I do squash breeding work. Um, and I've been really successful with it. It's really easy. So it's, it's a time and energy expenditure, but as far as like, they'll cross themselves yeah yeah exactly all right well chris it was great talking to you i don't know if you you likewise yeah you want to drop your drop your plugs and all that um for what just um yeah like your instagram account your youtube channel oh where people can find you yeah right so i have a youtube which is esoteric agriculture and as the name would suggest, I try to focus on agriculture, horticulture, backyard farming, seed saving, plant breeding, and I tend to do more of a focus on weird things. Occasionally I do a video on just normal homesteading stuff, but most of it's really weird stuff. Um, I'm most often active on Instagram, and that's real esoteric agriculture um, as far as social media stuff. So if you want to find me, Instagram works great or check out my YouTube channel, which is, um, I got a lot of videos and I'm always working on more. And unfortunately I'm always behind on that. So, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll put out a new video. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Chris for coming on again. As always, you can find me on Instagram at focus seeds. You can check out my website, focusseeds.com send me an email focus seeds at protonmail.com happy growing peace